Welcome to this Creekside Church Discipleship Essentials course. The heart behind what we're trying to do here is deepen our discipleship in some very specific ways. So discipleship looks like a lot of things. And in, in uh, Creekside and many other churches, uh, you know, it looks a lot like getting together and you're opening the Word of God together, and you're trying to address spiritual growth in a person's life. So what struggles do I have? Uh, what do I need to learn about God? How do I need to apply that to my life? Um, how can we support each other in, in times of need? All these things kind of fall in the picture of discipleship. Um, but, but this uh, specific discipleship essentials type of course is designed to kind of hit a little bit of a gap that comes in that approach to discipleship, which is, which is this. There's, there's sometimes these skill sets um, that go a little deeper than that applying truth to our daily lives type of a thing um, that really do help us to take steps in our personal growth, our spiritual growth help us become maybe more the leaders, uh, the discipleship type leaders uh, in, in the church setting. And, um, and th- these aren't as easy to address in uh, the typical one-on-one discipleship thing. And so the, the idea behind the Discipleship Essentials course is trying to just fill in some of those gaps. Um, as someone who used to teach at, at a Bible college, I think in terms of courses. And so it, in the past, I've, I've built courses and homework and, and classroom settings and all these kinds of things. This is an attempt to take some of that approach, but make it a little more accessible. So no homework, no classroom, but um, but just providing some more in-depth looks at some key concepts here. So previously, we've done a course on how to read the Bible for all it's worth, and that goes over 10 sessions and tries to dig into if you, if you want to open your Bible and really understand what's being said there and how to interpret it, apply it to your life, that's what that looks like. This one is focused on preaching. And so that may be for you, it may not be for you, um, but preaching is something that uh, in, in some senses we all do. Um, in other senses, there's a little bit of a calling behind it where God will tap someone on the shoulder, so to speak, and say, hey, I want you to uh, have a preaching ministry. Um, it also could look like filling in uh, for a sermon. So wherever you are on that spectrum, uh, I want this to help you be able to preach uh, well and have thought through some of the key areas related to preaching a sermon and what that looks like and and how it all comes together and, and what the heart behind it should look like, what the target even is. So this is something that I put together for our church staff as we're all trying to get better at preaching ourselves um, and, and just improving and all that. And so uh, this is offered to you in hopes that this will help you in any chances you have to preach. And that that could look like a variety of things for our staff to look like People that are up there uh, every almost every week preaching, like myself. Uh, people that are up there occasionally on a Sunday morning uh, in the main service preaching. People that are doing shorter talks to youth. Pe- people that are just sharing with kids. People that are leading communion in the church. People that are sharing just with women. People that uh, are worship leaders and, and almost never uh, preach a word in front of the church in a, in a formal setting, but often do so while holding a g- guitar, that kind of a thing. So I hope you can see that what I'm trying to get at is there's a breadth to this whole thing. Some of what I'll say in here um, sort of assumes my own preaching context of um, a weekly preaching ministry, but but all of it, I think, should apply well. And I want to say before I dive right into the notes here, um, I don't consider myself to be a phenomenal preacher. So I, I believe I've grown in this significantly. I believe I'm gifted by God to do it. I believe I'm called by God to do this. So I don't want to disparage any of the gifts that God's given me. But I didn't sit down and think, boy, I'm so good at preaching. How can I teach other people how to do what I'm doing? Um, I do not feel that way at all. So what I feel like is uh, God's given me this this gift. 
Uh, I'm exploring it. I'm trying to expand it better. Part of me uh, improving at my gift is listening to a lot of other people's sermons. It's also digging into a lot of what people are saying and teaching about preaching. Um, A lot of it's diving into the theology of preaching. What does the Bible say about it? And so I feel like I'm in a unique spot to just help help you uh, come along what I'm learning and and then kind of together we can discuss uh, these things. I can kind of pitch some of these things here. It'll give you a lot to process. And um, Lord willing, then that leads us into a place where um, you can just, before the Lord, work on your preaching and, um, and get better. And as opportunities arise, do a great job with that. So this first session is going to be all about the purpose of preaching. Uh, what is preaching even about? Sometimes we get fuzzy. Uh, we have gatherings that are preset and predetermined. We get together and there's worship songs and there's a sermon. Um, that's what it looks like in a, in a typical evangelical church in a Sunday morning setting. Uh, if you're in a youth setting, it, it could be games and, uh, and then a little preaching and then, uh, you know, more games, maybe some worship. You know, it just, the format looks different, but we, we kind of default to a sermon is just a thing, um, a piece of the order of service. But we don't really think about like, what's it for? What's the purpose of this? And if we don't have a clear purpose for why am I going to stand up here and preach a sermon, um, then I think we're going to miss a lot of the point of it. So I want to start here. Uh, There is a command in the Bible to preach. Um, So what is preaching? There's a command in the Bible. This is in 2 Timothy 4. Uh, I'm going to read the first four verses here. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And so this is uh, Paul's call to Timothy. Timothy's his young protege, and Paul calls him to preach the word. So the word that he uses is preach. It's keruso. It it means to like make an announcement, um, make an official announcement even, make something known. It's all about these public declarations, proclaiming aloud. Um, And so this whole thing is um, we take something that we know or we've been entrusted with and we make it known. We declare it publicly. We make an announcement of it. Now, Paul says specifically, preach the word. Okay. So what are we here to proclaim? It's the word. It's the word of God. Uh, And that means really anything that God says, right? Uh, the, The Old Testament prophets didn't have a bound Bible in the exact way that we did, but the Lord spoke to them and they spoke that. They were preaching the word of the Lord, proclaiming it. Um, For us, we have this completed word of God, this Bible. And so when we preach the word, um, it certainly is anything that God tells us, right? Um, But I think there's this unique sense in which um, we're here to preach the word of God. Paul says this, this command to preach the word right on the heels of talking about how all scripture is breathed out by God and is useful for teaching and reproof and correction and for training in righteousness to make us complete, perfect and complete human beings before God. And so this is the call is, is uh, for us, for this Timothy, this young minister to um, be someone who preaches, proclaims the word of God. So we take God's word and we make it known to the people that are around us. Now, Sometimes um, we, well, not sometimes, we have in the evangelical world developed this concept where um, preaching means standing behind a pulpit on Sunday morning and standing there for 45 minutes or more or less, depending on your church tradition. 
Um, I pulpits didn't exist back then in the way that they do now. Um, I church services didn't look then like they do now. And so I think sometimes we have this sense in our head of if we're going to obey Paul's command, then I need to talk to the pastor to make sure that I can stand in that pulpit on Sunday morning and deliver a 30 to 45 minute sermon. Um, that's simply not what uh, Paul is getting at here. That's not what he means by it. Now, I think it's one of the things that, that is an easy implication of what Paul's saying, but what, all he's saying is stand uh, before the people that are around you, the people that God's entrusted you, and make known the word of God to them. I, I think that's really what it's about. And Paul says it like, we need to let, let them know uh, about the word of God because uh, the time's going to come when people don't want to hear the word of God. They, they've got itching ears. They want to uh, hear what they want to hear, right? They, they know what they want, what they desire. They're going to surround themselves with people who say the things that they like to hear. Um, and so because of that, because people are going to be prone to that, you need to be someone who stands and proclaims, this is what God says. This is the word of the Lord. Now, that sounds to me like our age, now the age that we're in, where um, we, we can, better than any other time in history, we can surround ourselves with only the voices we want to hear. We do it with the podcasts that we listen to, the news stations that we surround ourselves with, the friend groups that we have. We, we can get into a church that thinks and feels exactly like we do. Um, and so Paul's word here is all the more important because he's simply saying um, that we need to preach the word of God because people are not going to be inclined to listen to those things. They want to hear what they want to hear, hear. Okay? So... So here we go. Looking at preaching, it doesn't mean that you have to stand in a pulpit to do it. You could be standing with a music stand in a youth room. You could be holding your iPhone, standing with a small group of people. Um, a sermon is like has been historically uh, developed, evolved over time. Um, but really, all we're saying is a sermon is something where we're just proclaiming the word of God. Okay, um, and so I, I will primarily focus in what I'm talking about about the idea of delivering a sermon of whatever length to a group of people, but Proclaiming Christ uh, through the Word of God can look like a lot of different things, um, and, and some approaches in which you might apply some of this might look different than, than what I'm uh, used to. Now, I want to make a quick distinction here between preaching and teaching. Uh, I don't think you can make as hard and fast of a distinction between the two as sometimes happens, um, but I think there are different uh, differences between these two concepts, and I'm, I'm almost wanting just to use it as a, a way to differentiate a couple of concepts. So teaching, I would say, tends to be more about like instruction, more about education, more about giving information. And I'll just say up front, a lot of people's preaching styles are more teaching styles. And I think that's beautiful um, to stand there and open the word of God and help people understand it, to give information about God and about scripture and about life to people is a noble task. So I don't, don't want to disparage teaching at all. Um, but what I want to say is that preaching tends to be a little bit more about exhortation about encouragement, about motivation, about inspiration. So you still have a teaching element in preaching, but there's also this call to action. There's also this movement to inspire somebody. Um, and so that's that's where um, I'm seeing the distinction. Now, how, how different are those two things? You'll have to decide as you kind of work through it. Um, all I know is that what I'm doing right now uh, in, in delivering this course material as, as a podcast is really... Um, more teaching focused. I'm trying to tell you about this thing. And um, and if this were a sermon on it, I would try to craft it in such a way that it inspires action, motivation, change of heart, change of uh, thought, those kinds of things. So what is preaching? I think it's that idea. We're commanded to make the word of God known, to, to proclaim Christ to the people around us. Um, and, and I think <clears throat> with my definition of preaching versus teaching, 
trying to do it in a way that motivates and inspires people to action. I, I think that the, one of the greatest sermons recorded in uh, the Bible is uh, the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews itself is basically a sermon where it gives a lot of information, but it's all doing it with a call and a persuasive element trying to get us to live and think uh, and worship and serve in a certain kind of a way. So what is the purpose of preaching? Why would somebody do this? And um, I want to start with the negative, okay? So I want to give some unhealthy or insufficient goals for preaching, because I think there's a lot of preaching that happens around us. And a lot of it, I think, is done from a really uh, poor place in people's hearts. And we want to avoid that as much as we can. So here's some unhealthy, or maybe they're not necessarily just inherently unhealthy. Some of them are, some of them aren't. Some of them are simply just insufficient. Like, yeah, okay, that's fine, but that's not a good enough uh, purpose, uh, motivation for preaching. So the first one I'll list here is conveying information. So we talked about this a little bit with the teaching versus preaching thing, but if your whole goal um, is just to teach the Bible, help people understand it. Like that's a good goal. Do that. Definitely do that. But that's not quite what I'm getting at with preaching. Um, so I think a good sermon definitely conveys information. People become more educated as a result of good preaching. But I think that um, that there needs to be a little bit more. Let me let me quote Frank Thomas here. Um, he's got a a great book called They Lever, ne- They Like to Never Quit Praising God. Um, and he his whole thing is like the role of celebration in preaching. He's a black preacher and, um, and comes from that tradition. So he has, I, I love what he has to say. I'll quote him uh, plenty in this, this little mini course here. So he says, it is the height of non-identification and denial to deliver sermons in philosophical categories to listeners who know intimately and concretely that sin and evil are painfully and frightfully experienced by the senses. So what does that mean? He's saying, your listeners, the people you're preaching to, know very well at a gut level that their senses are constantly experiencing sin and evil, the effects of that. And then he says, many preachers, we stand there. We're not identifying with them at all when we sit there and educate them in philosophical categories. He's calling us to uh, connect, to relate to the people that we're preaching to, identify with them in, uh, in recognizing that it's more than just transferring information. There's this connection of this struggle against sin and evil in our lives and to deliver sermons on that basis. I think that's a powerful reminder. So conveying information, really important thing to do. It's not really what we're getting at with sermons. Um, and, and so we want to make sure that we're seeing something more, identifying with people. We're calling people on to something else when we preach a sermon. Um, the second insufficient uh, information or uh, information. The the second insufficient motivation for preaching is providing entertainment. Um, So I think preaching can and often should be entertaining on at least some level, right? People are going to get bored. They don't learn as well when they're bored. Uh, They don't get challenged very well when they're bored. But uh, there's this phrase that I love to use that says, what you win them with is what you win them to. Meaning, if people are coming to listen to you preach because you're always entertaining, well, you're winning them with that and you're winning them also to that. So if you stop being entertaining in, you, in your preaching, they're going to stop coming to that. Um, and there's this big whole, if, you, if they come for the entertainment, you're going to have to keep entertaining them. Um, and so this whole, there's this whole thing, this cycle, this trap that you get into of every sermon then has to be more entertaining than the last. So I'm not saying your preaching shouldn't be engaging, that it shouldn't be entertaining. I'm just saying if this is your primary goal is to entertain people, uh, then watch out because that is a deadly cycle. It's difficult, right? If you do this, then you are competing against theaters, comedy clubs, like 
I think we are called to do more than that. Um, and so entertain them. That's great. Perfect. Don't try to avoid it. Um, even try to do it, but don't make this your primary motivation. Um, I do think that many churchgoers like to uh, go to a church where the sermons are entertaining. That might, might even be their biggest thing. I'm just saying as our calling as preachers, that's a little bit, at least a little bit insufficient. And, and it might even be um, just completely wrongheaded, like unhealthy. There's an unhealthy aspect to getting addicted to entertainment and for us to be um, enslaved to trying to be more and more and more entertaining to people. There's more at stake than just that. Uh, another unhealthy or insufficient goal for this uh, would be producing church growth. So now, I think there are healthy and noble reasons to want more people to be part of our churches, but um, I think that preaching has to be more than just an incentive for people to join. Um, I think that like a, a church that grows only through like the draw of Sunday sermons, like it's going to have to like work hard to facilitate a lot of other elements that make a church uh, a church, right? That make a church healthy. And I think if the whole point is let's get as many people here as we can, so let's make sure that my preaching is such that people will come and stay. Um, part of the problem with that is then you're terrified of saying anything that would lead people to not stay, right? If your goal is to get people to come, then you're going you're gonna to avoid saying certain things. And there are so many calls throughout scripture to teach the whole counsel of God, to not be afraid to say what God says. And so we have, there's a boldness that comes that, that if our whole goal is church growth, that we begin to lose. And so I'd say, yes, it's great, healthy to see a church grow uh, in many ways, but be careful about making that your main or your only or, or um, you know, even one of your primary motivations in how you preach. Now, here's one that's tricky and you'll probably deny it, but I, if I'm honest, have to say that I wrestle with this, um, a insufficient and unhealthy motivation for preaching is receiving praise. Um, there, there's going to be more we'll talk about in a future session on preparing our hearts to preach, but we always have to make sure that the congregation is not simply there for my benefit and my self-esteem. And of course, you'll say, no, 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 I would never do that. But I'm just saying it is so easy to get yourself into a spot where um, you you crave validation, right? And so, so you're trying to preach in such a way that people then um, praise you for what you're doing. And it's a hard, subtle thing. And, and our hearts are twisted and, and, and wicked. And, um, and we're complex human beings with complex needs and emotions and those kinds of things. And so just as a warning, um, be careful that your sermons don't be about becoming, getting praise. People see um, preaching as a status thing. Um, some people do, some people don't. But I, I think it's very, very common for people to say, okay, yes, if I can be someone who stands in front of a group of people and delivers sermons that are good, that I get praised for, then I've arrived. Like it becomes a gold star and a pat on the back and a, a sign of achievement, a sign of success. And I'm just saying that is so, so, so unhealthy. Um, when God calls us to speak on his behalf, it is not because he wants to make sure that we get really appreciated and everyone thinks we're popular and successful. That's not what it's about. And so be careful with your heart on this whole thing. Um, it's very difficult to keep this motivation at bay. And I think we need constant reminders and constant prayer to make sure that when we stand up there, man, it's not about us. It's not about my achievements. <clears throat> it's not about me looking good. It's not about people perceiving me as a good preacher. It's simply about me being faithful to uh, proclaim the word of God and do what God's calling me to do. <clears throat> okay, so if those are some unhealthy goals for preaching, what are some healthy goals uh, for a sermon? I think one key one would be inspiring people to live lives shaped by the truths of God. Okay, so if we're saying maybe conveying information is not sufficient as a goal, um, then, then inspiring people 
to live lives shaped by the truths of God is a great goal to have. Uh, We're trying to uh, do what we can, use the gifts God's given us to get people to live lives that are worthy of the calling that they've received. So we're not just instructing, but we're exhorting. We're, We're like pleading with people to see God for who he is, to embrace him, to rely on him, to trust him, to put their faith in him, to to live lives that are a response and a communion with him. Um, we don't want to just inform. We want to encourage life change for people. We don't want to just describe. We want to inspire. And so that that whole thing, now, can we accomplish that in our own strength? Absolutely. I don't, I don't think we can. Um, but I think that there's this calling and this gifting and this way in which the spirit works where that's his goal. He wants to inspire life change and transform. And so we get this unique opportunity in preaching to partner with him in that aspect and um, Lord willing, begin to see people's lives changed through, uh, at least in part, our preaching ministries. Um, So a second great healthy motivation for sermon would be facilitating a greater connection to God. Um, Again, more than just giving information, this is about facilitating a greater connection to God. I think the good preaching calls people to remember and return to God, casts a vision of the beauty of God that we're inviting people to see and experience. Um, and I think this is this is tricky. I think sometimes there's this thought that, um, you know, if, if people don't remember my sermons, like the sermon has to be memorable. This kind of goes back to entertaining. The sermon has to be memorable because if I don't remember a sermon, then was it, what, what use was it, right? Um, and, and that goes quite a ways, right? People forget the points in the sermon by the time they leave. They might even forget the main point. They might forget the passage that you preached on by the time they get into the car on the way out. Um, and so I've, I've heard a lot of people uh, disparaging then, like, well, what's the point of this? If, if people can't remember it when they get to the car, when they can't remember it by the next week, um, what point was, was there in doing it at all? And I would just say that's, that's I think, kind of nonsense. Um, sure, we want it to be memorable. <clears throat> you want people to have access to this information as much as they can. Uh, you want them to remember that moment in which they were inspired. But I think there's more that a sermon does than just give them information, right? So you could look back and say, like, Okay, well, what did you eat for breakfast yesterday or last week or last month, right? Um, you, depending on how regular your habits are, I guess you may or may not remember that. But that breakfast, whether you remember the specifics of it or not, sustained you, right? It, it gave you like energy to, to go live your life and do your thing. And I think that's a much better way to look at sermons. It's less about the information that we give that we want them to be able to remember so that they're more intelligent or informed. And it's more about facilitating a connection with God that gives them the energy and the connection that they need. That connection with God is what's going to sustain them in their week as they're living their lives before the Lord. And so if we can facilitate a connection with God, it doesn't matter if they remember the specifics of that or not, that connection was there and they had an encounter with God. And that's what we want. So I think that's really uh, important to keep in mind. So facilitating that connection to God really is, I think, a very, very primary point of preaching. Uh, John Piper has this great book uh, called The Supremacy of God in Preaching. Short book, great book. He says, most of our people have no one in the world to tell them week in and week out about the supreme beauty and majesty of God. And so many of them are starved for a God-centered vision. I think he's just saying our our unique role is to point people back to God because much of their week, much of their life uh, does not remind them of this. And so here's a, a good call, a good reminder that like, yeah, we get a unique role to do that. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a um, famous preacher from a previous generation, uh, has a great book called Preachers and Preaching. He says, the primary task of the church is not to educate man, is not to heal him physically or psychologically. It is, to make him, um, it is not to make him happy. 
I will go further, it is not even to make him good. Her primary purpose is not any of these. It is rather to put man into the right relationship with God, to reconcile man to God. So you can see Martin Lloyd-Jones now also saying the same thing. It's not about informing. It's not even about morality, right? It is all about uh, uh, putting people in right relationship to God, reconciling people to God. That's what we're aiming for. Cotton Mather, uh, one of the Puritans, he says, The great design and intention of the office of a Christian preacher is to restore the throne and dominion of God in the souls of men. So I, I, I want us to see in all these, I mean, that's, that's about allegiance, isn't it? Um, it's not about information primarily, although we use a lot of information and, and people gaining information is good through it, but we're trying to get this connection and this sense of like, <clears throat> uh, uh, where's my faith? Where's my trust? Where's my allegiance lying? And if I can, if I can, in a 30 to 45 minute sermon, get people to engage on that front uh, and, and kind of reconnect and, and be re-inspired with their allegiance to God. That is doing a lot. Um, R.C. Sproul talks about um, how like, there's a difference between the way that a, a natural human being sees the problem of his relationship with the God and the way that our Bible sees the problem of our relationship to God. And so he calls us as preachers, like, don't give people what they want, give them what they need, right? So uh, people come in with an expectation of like, here's what, everything that's wrong in my life. And a lot of our job is to say, hang on, let's reframe that. This is actually the problem in your life right now. Um, we do that on the authority of scripture, and we help remind them, and that all helps that reconciliation process. Um, this, this brings to mind for me 2 Corinthians 5, um, 18 to 20. Paul says it like this, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So this reminder, this call uh, that Paul gives is, here's what our ministry is actually about. It's about reconciling people to God, uh, imploring on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's a beautiful way to look at what we're doing. So we go there, we, we go with uh, hopefully a passage of scripture, and we'll talk about that. We go with a heart of love for these people, and we'll talk about that. But when we come to stand before people, um, we, are, we are there trying to say, okay, God loves you. God is pursuing you. God desires a relationship with you. Repent, believe, reconnect, um, draw closer to him. That's, that's the aim of this, this whole thing in our uh, preaching of sermons. Uh, one more uh, healthy motivation for preaching I want to give is that good preaching can provide an experience of God. So more than just us pointing towards a connection, good preaching can also give people an experience of God, and that is valuable. Um, so Frank Thomas, back to him, he says, those that suffer deeply and profoundly are comforted not by intellectual explanation and theological justification of suffering, but by an experiential encounter with the, with the assurance that God is with them in the suffering, and in God, the suffering is overcome. So the reminder that he gives here is saying, Man, people are suffering. People are hurting, uh, even profoundly hurting, right? Um, that's not comforted by intellectual explanations, by theological justifications. They are comforted by an encounter with the assurance that God is with them in their suffering. That's beautiful. And, and a sermon can actually provide that. We can walk people through the words of God in such a way that they are actually comforted to know that God is with them. That they actually experience something of that comfort and that connection to God in that. That's a beautiful call and a beautiful reminder. 
Um, he says in a different place, if one is going to preach an expository sermon, it had better be an experiential expository sermon or it will not matter. If one is going to preach a topical sermon, then one had better make sure it is an experiential uh, topical sermon to have the most impact upon the listeners. If one is going to preach an exegetical sermon, it is not, uh, if it is not experientially exegetical, then it will probably seem boring and lifeless to the congregation. His call here is to say, it doesn't matter what kind of sermon you're preaching, uh, a topical sermon where you just say, okay, let's talk about faith this week, and maybe you pull in a few passages on faith. Uh, maybe it's an exegetical sermon, meaning like I'm going to dive in to explain all the details of what the text is actually saying. Um, he's saying, what, regardless of what it is, make sure that it's an experiential version of that thing so that people are experiencing the life of God, uh, the truth of God, the, the reality of God as you preach. Uh, Mark Allen Powell has this um, fascinating book uh, called What Do They Hear? Um, and, and his whole thing is digging into the difference between what preachers think when they preach and what people in the pews actually uh, experience. It's a fascinating little book, but he, he says it like this. Lady, want, uh, lady being just like the people that are the congregation, right? Uh, lady want the Bible to do something to them. So he's saying, when we read our Bibles on our own, we want the Bible to do something to us. So laity want the Bible to do something to them. They probably want the same from our sermons. They want something to happen, something more than just a transfer of information. When laity say that they want their pastor to preach the word of God, I think that the one thing they mean is, I want his or her sermon to do to me what the Bible would do to me. I want it to do what the word of God would do. I think it's a beautiful call and reminder uh, to say, when we're sitting there and, and, and what, what do people want? When, when that sermon comes, what do they want? They want that experience that they, ha- that they go to the word of God for. Those that are reading their Bibles, they go because they're saying, I want God to speak to me, right? I want to I feel close to God. I, I want to encounter him or learn from him in this setting. And, I, and he's saying, that's what a, sh- a sermon should do as well. Uh, not just inform, not just tell them something, but give them that experience of God. Same as if they had picked up the Bible for themselves. We just get the honor of being a guide uh, to God himself, to his word to his truth, um, to his ways, those kinds of things. And I think that's a beautiful reminder. Martin Lloyd-Jones, I'm going to give you one more here. I'm giving you a lot of quotes on this front, but there's a a lot of good things said about this. Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones says that basically if all we do is deliver wisdom in a speech format, so we're speaking and we're just being wise, just delivering wisdom. If all we do is that, he says, then nothing has been done to the people at all. But they were just sitting in a detached manner and estimating and judging the speaker. One liked his notation. Uh, the other liked that historical illusion. It had been an entertainment, very interesting, very attractive, very stimulating, and perhaps uh, stimulating perhaps of the intellect. But it had done nothing to them. And they went out just praising this or that aspect of the preacher's performance. To me, that is not what preaching is meant to be. Preaching is that which deals with the total person. The hearer becomes involved and knows that he has been dealt with and addressed by God through this preacher. Something is taking place in him and in his, in his experience, and it is going to affect the whole of his life. Boy, that is a beautiful reminder to me uh, that we're not trying to get passive observers that sit back and just weigh our sermons. And, and anyone that preaches for any length of time knows uh, people comment on the sermon. And, and often it's good, encouraging, man, great sermon today. Sometimes it's, well, I disagree with this or that point. All that's fine. But he's just saying you want people to be more than just passive observers. And you can tell those people uh, that that are there and they're enc- they, they're like man I God encountered me today like I I connected with God today as you were preaching and, and so it's less about the mechanics it's less about the style it's less about the uh, 
intellect that we display as we're preaching, um, how witty we are. It's it's more about man. I somehow in that I connected with God, and that thank you for that. And that that's the best compliment I can ever get. And that's really I think a great purpose for preaching. We're trying to help people connect with God, have an encounter, an experience of God. That's going to just deepen this ongoing relationship with God. The point is the ongoing relationship with God. He is always there with His people. He wants to be with us all the time. Uh, it, when we preach a sermon, whether it's Sunday morning, Wednesday night, whatever it is. We get the opportunity to help those people reconnect with God and, and hopefully uh, to facilitate uh, somewhat of an ongoing relationship with him. That's a beautiful thing. Okay, I want to turn just very briefly here at the end of this and turn a quick corner and just talk about what the purpose of an individual sermon might be. So I'm saying that's kind of the point of what we want to do with preaching as a whole. When it comes to an individual sermon, like what, what are we trying to do there? A few things I want to add here. So first of all is uh, I think that every sermon should model good Bible study skills. Now, this is my opinion, but I, I, I really believe in it. Um, so when we're preaching, um, when we're doing, well, one of the things we want to make sure we've accomplished as we're preaching is showing people what does it look like for them to be able to read their own Bibles well. Um, and so th- this is the reason we, we I did this uh, Discipleship Essentials course on reading the Bible for all it's worth is to kind of teach some of those skills. Um, and so that that's a helpful process to know. Um, but also, I think every sermon is an opportunity to help people see, okay, look look at what he says in verse 11 here. Look at how he compares and contrasts this and that. And as we do these kinds of things, what, what I want to do is not um, pull people away from the text. To my words, I want to pull people back towards the words that God speaks and help them see not just uh, what I want to say, but where I'm getting it from. Um, when I make a claim about God or about the passage, I want them to see for themselves where I've pulled them uh, pulled that from. Um, and, and so it's, it's I really, I mean, there's a tendency to be like, um, we, we have these teachers, uh, these preachers, these famous preachers that give these sermons or deliver these messages where you're just like, wow, like that person is so insightful. Like I never would have gotten that from that passage. And, and I'll just say there's a place for that. I mean, God uses that all the time. I love a teacher that can go in and just gain all this insight. But what matters the most for me is if I can see where that insightful preacher got the insight from. Um, so it's one thing for them to be like, wow, I'm so good. And then you're like, boy, I, I can't read the Bible for myself. I need this person uh, to preach to me all the time so that I can get the insights that are hidden in the word of God. What's so much more valuable is yes, be insightful because we've spent time with the Lord, but help people see where the insights came from. Because in doing that, not only are you grounding uh, your sermon in something that is actually authoritative, which is God himself and his word, um, but you also are modeling for them, here's how you can then feed yourself on this uh, on your own. Here's how you can uh, develop the insights. See, if you can see it, we're modeling, and that's the best form of training for people. So um, helping them to see definitely that our points are grounded in the text of scripture, that's super important. Um, but helping them see like what the text is actually saying, modeling how to observe, interpret, meditate on scripture, um, helping people enjoy in their, uh, sorry, grow in their enjoyment of scripture, um, as well as their enjoyment of God. Like that's so, so vital, not just knowing about the Bible, but enjoying it, seeing like, I mean, if we're not fascinated with scripture, uh, we're gonna have a hard time conveying that fascination to the people that we're ministering to. So, um, doing your best that as we prepare in a given sermon that we're making sure that we're, um, in those individual sermons, uh, pointing to, what the text is actually saying, modeling those those Bible study skills, modeling an enjoyment of God and scripture, um, I think is such a great service that we can offer to people. Um, I think that every single uh, sermon, so we've talked about how like um, the, the, the point of a health, like healthy preaching ministry is 
um, is to like inspire life change. Um, I think every sermon should inspire transformation. Um, so like, remember, like the goal isn't like just inform people of what's going on, right? Um, we want to ask questions like, what does this particular passage command or invite? Now that's tricky because some passages are uh, narrative and they're describing, they're not prescribing. They're giving an explanation more than a command. Um, but, but every passage at least invites some sort of transformation in our thought process or in our actions. And so as we go through individual sermons, and not only is the point of our overall preaching ministry to inspire, but every sermon is calling somebody to something. I think every passage of scripture does that. And so we should craft our sermons in such a way that we're calling people to something in each sermon. Um, and so, uh, so here's some examples of what we might find uh, that, that we could put into an individual sermon. We might find a truth that will transform people's lives if they believe it. Uh, we might find a command that will make us look more like Jesus. We might find a sin that's described that we are like we can call people away from, right? We might find a story that could shape uh, our imaginations. And if so, like if you find this story, it's like, oh man, that's going to shape the way you think about life and about God. It stretches your imagination some. And as we're preaching, we're asking how, like, right? Like, wh- like what are the ties from the, the biblical story to our current world that we live in? Um, and so uh, Andy Stanley uh, is a great preacher. He, he suggests that like always end the sermon with an inspiring vision of what the world could look like if we applied this truth. Now, I think it's a helpful way of looking at it. Make sure that as we're bringing our sermon to a close, there's some sort of vision, uh, some sort of inspiring vision of, and this is what life could be like. This is what we could experience. This is what God is inviting us to. Um, and, th- and that's just kind of a way of making sure that there's a point to every sermon. Um, it's, it's easy. Uh, there's a trap you can fall into to end a sermon, and there really wasn't a point overall. Um, there really wasn't a, a call to anything in particular. You just kind of end it and okay, that's all you need to know. And so just make, keeping in mind, our, if the point of overall preaching ministry is to transform lives, um, we want to make sure every sermon has that uh, call to transformation. Um, I think this is really important too. Number three here, every sermon, every individual sermon should draw people to Jesus and the gospel. Um, so every time we preach, uh, every time I preach, I try to make sure the gospel is in there in some form. Now I'm certain that there's been times where I've forgotten, uh, you know, just kind of had that lapse where I, I don't give like the plan of salvation, like the invitation to acknowledge our sin and see that Jesus died for us, believe in him, put our faith in him and find hope and salvation in him. I, I am certain that there's times I forget that. I try to always have that in there. Um, but even if it's not just that formula uh, or that that plan of salvation, there every text of the Bible Every topic we could ever preach on has this tie to the gospel. The, the fact that, that, man, our world is broken, but God loves us, so he sent Jesus to die for us. And because of that, we don't have to earn it. We don't have to work harder. We don't have to, um, uh, try, to try to please God or anybody else, but we're accepted in grace uh, by being connected in faith to Jesus. And so every sermon ties to that. And, and so it, the, the call, the invitation here uh, is to say every sermon, let's make sure the gospel is there because that is the heart of the whole thing. Like read all the scriptures. Jesus says everything in scripture points to him. He's the point of it all. And so we want to make sure that in every sermon, there's this opportunity for someone to hear and respond to the gospel. Um, 
every time we're preaching. I mean, maybe you're preaching to the same people every every time you do, um, but there's someone there that, that needs to respond, uh, often that needs to respond to the gospel for the first time, right? Um, but uh, it, it doesn't have to be like an altar call kind of a thing. I don't typically do that myself of like, raise your hand, uh, come to the front, uh, make sure you tell somebody that kind of a thing. I see it more as planting seeds. And then, and then it, it happens often for me where seeds are planted through uh, sermons I preach and through relational things and, and other people's relationships with those people. And then often I get the chance to hear as someone says, yeah, you know, like they, they talk about their spiritual life and you're like, wow, you have come alive in Christ. That is beautiful. Um, and it's more of a process and a, and a seed planting thing typically for me than a raise your hand, check a box on a card. Now we know that you're saved. Um, th- there's a place for that, of course. So feel free to do the altar call if you want to. Um, but I, I'm just saying the form is less important than like um, the actual explanation of the gospel and an invitation to respond to it. Um, and so often for me, it'll be making sure that um, I give people a chance to pray. Um, you know, I'll pray for them or whatever, but just trying to encourage them to, to, to have a conversation with God. That's what's needed. Um, and, and I think finally, the, the last thing I want to say here about um, the, the point of an individual sermon is just making sure that each individual sermon has a point. Um, sometimes we just get to, especially if you get a long passage of scripture, it's it's hard to keep an eye on what's the thing that I want to say? What's the point of this? Um, and you you might say, okay, here's a long passage that kind of says five different things. And so the my point of my first sermon is just these five points. Um, but, but having a way to... Um, emphasize something, a takeaway for the whole thing um, can help. Like a point in your sermon really does help it kind of um, kind of connect uh, with the people. We'll talk more about this when we talk about crafting a sermon, um, but but just trying to, to be focused in what we do. Uh, if we're not focused, it gets easy to get into the mode of uh, just conveying information. And so if we're trying to inspire, if we're trying to connect, we want to try to, as much as we can, see a, a emphasis, uh, one thing, ideally, an emphasis there that we're going to uh, see in the text and also convey to the people around us. So that is it for this first session on uh, the purpose of preaching. Um, next session, I'm going to dive into what does it look like to actually craft a sermon. Um, and we'll do that, and then we'll move into um, uh, some other, um, other insights about our heart and then also about just developing as preachers overall.